welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Christy, hey, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. We were just talking before we started recording. I read your first book, Business Boutique. For When did that come out? 2017. Okay, yeah. So I read it when it came out. And we were talking about, so that's about making money, doing what you love essentially is is that book. And so you have another book, take back your time. And we were just talking about how it's just such a natural step. Like you've taught women how to make money. Like now let's teach them how to like do that within balance without kind of like feeling all over the place. And so I said this earlier, I don't feel like you need an introduction because I love you, but tell people a little bit about yourself and what you do and then about take back your time. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so excited to be here. I'm so like we were saying before we started recording. I'm such a huge fan of you as well. But I have been a business coach for 10 years. And so I have spoken at all types of business events, women's events, men's events, you know, people at all ages and stages, different families, different size of business, Fortune 500 companies. And what's so incredible is in over 10 years of doing this, doing business coaching and teaching people to start and grow a business, the number one question I'm asked is not a business question. Mm-hmm. It's this question. How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? How do you have enough time? How do you have time for everything? And so the fact that this is so commonly asked by men and women and all different ages and families and stages, not the entrepreneur in me, the problem solver in me wanted to take this on. You know, I wanted to, to help solve this problem or at least give hope in this space that's so weighed down by guilt for people. Yes. But then it took on a new meaning for me when I had three kids in five years and I'm in <laughs> seminary and I'm launching a book. So I have a lot of irons in the fire. I, I have a lot of interests. That's not a bad thing when you're busy with good things, but you do need to know how to manage your time on a practical level and even more, even deeper than the calendar to create a sense of balance in a world that is very out of balance. And I think yes when we use this word, we're actually asking for something else. And I get into this in the book. I want to get to the issue behind the issue. This is actually not about the calendar. It's about enjoying the life that the calendar represents. Yeah. And so I wanted to tackle this word that people have so many mixed feelings about yeah. and redefine it, reclaim it, and give you tactical steps to achieve it in your life. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to lie. There was a period of time. I think when things were really crazy for me that I was just like, balance is a myth. It's not possible. It's not achievable. I'm going to stop holding myself to that standard. When the reality was, I just was misdefining balance. Well, you and everyone else, you and everyone else in the whole world. Crazy. I was on an interview like a a week or two ago. You and I were just talking about the Enneagram even before we started recording, but I was on this interview and someone, the, the interviewer said something like, I mean, I think it's pretty bold that you just called it balance on your cover when so many people hate this word and balance isn't possible. And there's so much shame. I was like, (laughs) I did that on purpose. I intentionally put this word on the cover because I'm an Enneagram eight. And I'm like, I'm going to reclaim this word. (laughs) But what's so funny is despite all of our mixed feelings about it, our love, hate relationship with it, we can't stop talking about it. We still want it it that way. 
yeah. you say, how do you balance it all? How do you balance everything? How do you have work-life balance? So even if we hate this work, we can't stop talking about it. So I'm just going to talk about it the way that my people talk about it, but then redefine it and reclaim it and spread some hope into this space because it is so weighed down by guilt. But I think yes. that our ideas about it are wrong and mm -hmm. our path to pursue it is misguided. And I talk 100%. about them at the beginning of the book. Cause I think if we pursue the wrong path and we're going to get to the wrong result, then that's why we're frustrated. It's not Absolutely. that balance is impossible. It's our, the world's definition of it is impossible. And so I want to read exactly. I love that what you said about going beyond the calendar, because I think that that's so much of the issue is defining balance as a calendar time right. management issue. And I talk a lot about like hustle culture mm -hmm. and that we believe that we can hustle ourselves into fulfillment and success and, and yeah. contentment. And I think like we call, I call it like a heart set, like there's mindset and yeah. it's like, where, what, it, where is your heart set? What is your heart set on? And is that what's throwing you out of balance far before it even comes down to your calendar? You make a good point about the hustle culture, because we live in a world that very much rewards, applauds, mm -hmm. celebrates that. Yes. And there is an element of, of course, hard work produces fruit. There's goodness and hard work, that type of thing. But I think what our problem is, we think the solution to our balance problem is that we just need to do more. Mm -hmm. Well, if I could just work harder and smarter and wake up earlier and stay up later and pour one more cup of coffee, if I could multitask, if I could be more efficient, if I could be more productive, I would be satisfied, yeah. fulfilled, balanced. And the truth is, and you know this, like, we don't get more balanced. We just get exhausted. We're just and, exhausted. And, but then culture has turned burnout into a badge of honor. Yes. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. in Christian culture and outside of it, it's like, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. Like that's the like regurgitated yes. answer where we have like a direct line to the creator. The answer should be, I'm busy, but I'm good. Like I'm peaceful. I'm like, God is good, you know? And so I've being someone who has to like been fully immersed in hustle culture and had to kind of extradite myself from that and basically like relearn how to be a hard worker because hard work is biblical. I've had to like completely remove myself from this idea that like being tired, one more cup of coffee, going, 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 like that's not a good thing. It's right. Just because the world applauds, it doesn't mean I don't want to be applauded for that. Well, it's very countercultural. And I mean, we know this in our head, but when we experience it, it's a different level of intensity that going upstream, go, being countercultural is very hard. Mm -hmm. When you have a current that is going 100 miles an hour in one direction saying, hustle, hustle, hustle faster, wake up earlier, stay up later, do more, do more, do more, for you to go, I think I'm going to step out of this. I yeah. think I'm, how are you doing? I'm actually not much going on. It's been really nice. Yeah. I'm in a slow season. <laughs> like, that sounds crazy. It sounds weird. It feels, hard and awkward to say. And so I think that we have to acknowledge that it will be difficult, but it will be worth it. And you make a really good point with this idea that we think we just need to do more. And, and what does it look like to step out of that? Because when we say, how do you have balance? How do you have balance? I think what we're really asking, I think what we're really trying to say is, Hey, balance maybe is not so much something you do, how you balance it all perfectly, like walking a tightrope, spinning plates, juggling balls, which sounds very stressful, by the way. It sounds like a circus. <laughs> I don't want terrible. my life to be a circus. Yeah. But what if it looks more like being confident in your choices when you say yes to this thing or no to that thing, being proud of how you spend your time for once, yeah. actually enjoying your life? Yeah. I think that's what we're really after. 
when we say we want balance, but but if we think that balance is a productivity issue, we're just going to wake up earlier, stay up later, run harder in between, and we never get more balance. So instead, what I want to help people do is I want them to understand that balance is not about doing everything mm-hmm. for an equal amount of time or doing everything all the time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And that's my definition in this book. That's the thesis the whole thing is based on is life balance is doing the right things at the right time. It turns out when you do the right things at the right time, you actually feel that sense of balance that you've been looking for all along. And it Mm -hmm. does look like peace and confidence and being happy in your life. Mm -hmm. And what's so great is you get to decide what's right for you. So it's right for an Olympian. We have the Olympics summer. What's right for an Olympian training for the Olympics or a new mom that just had a baby or someone else starting a business looks different for everyone. Yes. When you do what's right for you at the right time. Yes. Balanced because you're doing what's right. Well, and I can like speaking from just following you on Instagram, like you have a book coming out, you work for Dave Ramsey. Like I know you have a ton of irons in the fire, but you also like take your kids to school. And like spend a bunch of time with your kids and enjoy it and are present with them. And like, I think that that is the like, quote unquote, like mythical balance that people think that they're striving for and exactly what you're saying. No, like you're doing the right thing at the right, like you're being a mom when you need to be a mom and you're being an author when you need to be an author and you're being a coach, you need to be a coach. You know what I've noticed, Blake, too? And I don't know if you do this, but I think a lot of people do this. I think a lot of women do this. We judge others by what they're doing right. And we judge ourselves (laughs) by what we're doing wrong. So you see me going to school. You see me on interviews. You see me launching a book. And that's true that those things are true. What you don't see is that I yelled at my kids this morning. I flew out of the house this morning with an empty tank of gas because I mixed up my hours for an interview this morning. My house is a mess. I haven't worked out in three weeks and I haven't seen my friends in a while. You don't see that, right? right? And so like for everything I'm doing right, there's also some things I'm intentionally choosing to say no to. I'm going to say no to a clean house in the season. I'm going to say no to But it's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's a, right. that's what I'm saying. So I'm doing what's right for me at the right time. But I think so right. often women, uh, the, someone might be watching or listening and think, oh my gosh, I'm, here's all the things I'm not doing. And yes. they focus on those and feel like a failure. And you're not. What I want to help you do is not just spend your time on what's right for you. I want to help you even acknowledge that it's right and be proud of it. Focus yes. on it and go, hey, this is what's right for me. I'm going to focus on this, be proud of it, be present for it. And the result is I'm going to shake the guilt for all the things yes. that are not right. doesn't mean I'm failing. It just means that's not right right now. Amen. Yes. I know one of the things that you talk about, and we may have covered some of this is four main reasons that we feel like out of balance. You know, we don't have to cover all of them, but what are a few of those just in case somebody's listening and they're like, am I out of balance? Yeah. Everything's so crazy. I don't even know. (laughs) Yes, totally. Well, so I believe life balance is doing the right things at the right time. And so there's, I really think there's four main reasons we don't do that. Four challenges that get in the way. Number one, you're doing too many things. The Mm -hmm. analogy I use for this is I come home from the grocery store and I can have $20 worth of groceries or I could have $200 worth of groceries. But every time here's what I'm going to do, like I'm going to open that trunk. I'm going to scan all 500 bags, plastic bags. Go, Oh yeah. I can get this in one trip uh-huh. and I start loading up my arms all the way up to my <laughs> shoulder. My veins are bulging. My wrists are blue. I look like the incredible Hulk with like veins throbbing out of my head. <laughs> I, end, of course, end up r- knocking the bags over. Apples are rolling mm-hmm. down the street. Salsa's broken on the garage floor and I'm irritated. Why? I was never meant to carry that much at one time. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do in our schedules. As mm-hmm. long as you try to cram more in than your finite hours can hold, you're going to be exhausted, not to mention out of balance. 
The second cause is not doing enough things. And this may sound like it doesn't relate to anyone. We all felt it last year in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But even someone that's an empty nester or newly retired, they're kind of like, I'm feeling a little purposeless. If you don't have outlets to use your gifts and people to show up for, you're going to feel bored and out of balance. Mm -hmm. Number three, doing the wrong things. Even if you manage your calendar perfectly, if you spend a large portion of time doing something you hate, you're going to feel out of balance because you're doing the things that are wrong for you. So a toxic job, for example. And then number four, not doing the right things. If you have things that are deeply important to you and you're not spending time on them, you're going to feel out of balance because you're not doing the right things at the right time. So any different people may relate to some more than others, but all of them get in the way of us doing the right things at the right time, which ultimately leads to us feeling balanced. That was a huge lesson that I had to learn when I, so I started my podcast, this podcast, December of 2018. And I'm sure you like know this and have experienced this with a ton of your clients. Like in the beginning of anything, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. Every opportunity that comes down the pipeline, like you're just lucky to get the opportunity, right? right? And so you just say yes and yes and yes and yes. And there may be a season that that's necessary, but I think if it is, it's a season. Mm -hmm. And so I got to a point where I had kind of like, the podcast had kind of established itself. Like we were doing all right. People were listening. And I was still like, yes, 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 yes. And got to a point where I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate podcasting. I hate interviewing every day. I'm talked out. I'm edited out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And actually my very wise and wonderful husband was like, do you think maybe you don't need to be interviewed a full year ahead? Like maybe you could like do less and like say no to some things and just learning that I didn't have to pick up every single thing that came my way was huge because we think that if we miss an opportunity, I don't know, I think we have like weird things with God, like that if we miss an opportunity, he's given us and we're not going to get another one. Yes. Which is so jacked up. (laughs) You know, what's so interesting though, because the, the principle at play there that I think is so powerful that you hit on that a lot of people experience in different ways is we do not change with our season. So our season can change and we're holding on to the old season. So we had a baby and we're still expecting ourselves to work out every day and have a perfect house and do all these things. And we're, we're frustrated with our, with ourselves when we can't. And it's like, yeah, your season changed. You now have a a newborn. Exactly. In your example, the season of getting started where it was right to say yes to everything changed. And you're now in demand. The podcast is successful. You have earned the right to be more selective with your guests, with your interviews and so on but you're still holding on to that old mindset, heart set. I love how you said that of the old season. So regardless of how your season changes, I just encourage people. This is the lens. I put everything in my book through. It's the, the, one of the final chapters of the season we're in because the season you're in will determine what matters to you. If you're in a season, like right now I'm in a season of launching a book. So everything is very work related. Yes. To opportunities going on, you know, traveling, all that fun stuff this summer that season looked different. I took Fridays off. I played with my kids, went to the lake. I worked out, saw my friends and had a clean house. This is different right now. Yeah, <laughs> Things right. change. And so I just want to give people permission and the reminder to consider the season you're in when you set your priorities, when you determine what mm. matters. Uh, you know, when I got started speaking, Blake, I was speaking at high school cafeterias, yeah, family reunions, College campuses (laughs) seated for 500 where two kids showed up and it was only because they got extra credit. Like, I don't do that anymore, y'all. No, that's a hard no from me. I have earned the right to say no to the family reunions. Yes. (laughs) But you have to recognize when you're in a new season 
mm-hmm. it can be something fun, like a book launch or a successful podcast. It can be something hard, like, wow, you have a health diagnosis and you are going to have to rearrange your priorities in your calendar and turn the pressure off and lower the bar of what yes. you expect yourself to give yourself what you need, this grace and healing and time and time to grieve, time to heal, time to be present for a family member that needs you. Give yourself the permission to change your mind, change your plans, change your priorities based on the season that you're in. That's not weakness and it's not a cop-out. It's actually wisdom as you adapt. Do you have any insight to like, why do we do that? Because I'm sitting here listening to you. Like I still, like we just moved into an RV and things are, we live in less like 300 square feet and it's insane, but I'm still expecting myself to like do all the things that I did when we lived in a house and weren't mid move and things weren't crazy. Like, why do we, you know, why we do that to ourselves? I think some of it, uh, you were talking about mindset. I think some of it is we have these ideas about things. We have, we have ideas around um, priorities. For example, we think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. My priorities are God, other self in that order. It's like, okay, that didn't help me manage my Tuesday. (laughs) That is a set of concrete priorities that if push comes to shove, all hell breaks loose. Yes, my kids come before my work. But today, my work comes before my kids. So I'm going to have a set of flexible priorities that are more fluid, more current, more relevant and specific to the season or week that I'm in. Yes. And so I think when we begin to look at priorities differently as, as that, as something, see, so we set resolutions in January and we hold our feet to the fire in November when our whole world has changed. It's like, really, no, that's like, not even right anymore. Setting prior, like setting resolutions January of 2020 and then March hit. Right. Exactly. And so I the, know the, people that like made themselves crazy trying to stick to it. And I was like, yes. yo, you yes. can't even leave your house. Like, yes. exactly. And that's, a, that, I love extreme examples like that. Cause it makes the teaching point. And we do this right. in small ways in normal we years. Do. And so yeah. the, the simple way that I say this to people and remind them again, again, is, Hey, when things change, things need to change. So when yeah. ch- something changes in your world, you need to change and adapt with it, whatever that looks like. The other piece of it, though, and I don't want to get, we, we, we can or cannot, whatever you want to do with the whole spiritual aspect, but I think that um, the enemy can really get a foothold there yes. where we felt like this is what we had to do in the old season. And so we're in a new season and we're not doing that anymore, for example. And the enemy's like, well, you're failing. We used to do 100%. that. We used to work out. We used to see your friends. Well, you're a bad friend. Your friends need you. Like just enemy just feeds us lies all day, every day. And so part of the heart behind this book is setting women free in the goodness and the abundance of the life God has called us to. And I'm going, when you're walking around with shackles on your legs, feeling like you're failing, I want you to know that is not from your heavenly father. He didn't create you for this life and he doesn't talk to you like that. So let's go ahead and cut through the lies that you're hearing and let's build our life on the truth that you're doing a good job. You can do the right things at the right time and God has already freed you. It's just up to you to live like it. And so I think part of it is the enemy can get a foothold there and just feed us these tapes that are simply untrue. Absolutely. And if you are running yourself ragged and you're not like necessarily, you know, spending time with the father and, and asking him like what your priorities need to look like and what your time needs to be funneled towards those lies come in and you like, don't really have a lot of defense up. No, you're like, oh, bring it on. Like, yeah, tell me how terrible I am because yeah. I already believe it. You, you, you absolutely believe it when you're in a hurry, yeah. you don't have the energy to, to question. I just, I, I encourage people don't believe everything you think mm-hmm. a thought is yes. just that it's a thought. And so if you're having trouble sorting through and sifting and teasing out what is from God and what is not, 
just a very simple question. And I started this years ago when my my you know thoughts were spiraling, just beating me up. And you forgot this. And you forgot that. And you know. And the thought was this: Is this how God talks to me? I love natural living, and essential oils are a huge part of that. But for a long time, I've really struggled with the pricing structure of a lot of the big name oil companies until I discovered Simply Earth, and I am in love. Every batch of 100% pure essential oil is sourced from small ethical farms. They're GCMS tested for purity and composition. And my favorite part is that 13% of all profits go directly to fighting human trafficking. If you use the link in the show notes and the code BLAKEFREE, you can get a $40 gift card after your first purchase. Get started with non-toxic swaps by checking out Simply Earth today. The world is crazy and more and more it feels like everything is kind of on fire. And the reality is you likely need someone to talk to about it. If traditional therapy just hasn't been a fit for you or you haven't been able to make it work, I wanted to tell you about Faithful Counseling, an online Christian therapy option that's significantly cheaper and more accessible than traditional counseling. Faithful Counseling matches you with a counselor based on your needs, allows you to meet via text, phone call, or video call, and they price on a sliding scale. So to find out more and get 10 off your first month, visit getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian and start talking to a therapist today. Okay, let's get back to the show. Ooh. When when your heavenly father convicts you of like, hey, you messed up, you should apologize, that feels and sounds very different than yes. the narrative you're hearing hearing of how you're failing and how you're screwing up and how no one likes you and you're never gonna make this work. Yeah. And so if you simply ask yourself that question, is this how God talks to you? Almost always that can help you sort through it and help you I cut love through what is from your heavenly father that loves you and wants you to have something better in this life. And what is from the enemy that's trying to kick you while you're down? They're exactly. very different voices. Very different. Because I mean, anybody that's experienced conviction knows that it's like it's gentle and it's uplifting. It's not to like hit you while you're down. It's almost like calling you higher, you know? Yes. You make such a good point. That's the, the result it activates is another great indicator. If it makes you want to crawl in the fetal position and give up, that's not from your heavenly father, but if it makes you want to throw your shoulders back and go, okay, I can do better. Or let me apologize to this person or just pray in confession. Like if it activates you towards growth, that is from the Holy spirit. If it kicks you while you're down and makes you want to crumble and give up, God, that is not how God talks to you. That's not the results he pulls out of you. No, look at the, he literally never talks to anybody like that in scripture. You have like written down examples of how the father talks to people who have royally screwed up. Right, right. (laughs) Like, look at Moses, look at David. He is stern and direct, but he is never like, you're worthless. You're a worm. You should just not try anymore. (laughs) Like it's always calling you like up and to more. And so we've kind of like talked about how we get there, like how we get out of balance and how easy it can be to get there. How can we actually like cultivate balance? Like, obviously we want people, I want people to read this book because it's a, it's a really good book. And I don't say that flippantly because I don't get to (laughs) read all of the books of people that I interview, but like, what are some steps towards cultivating this? Well, I love making things tactical. Um, I, I love making things tangible. Like here are steps, breaking it down that there's a teacher in me. And one of the things that frustrates me and the rest of the world about balance is it's elusive. We don't know what balance is. We're just sure we don't have it because it becomes this shadow that haunts us. So I was like, okay, let's define it. Life balance 
is doing the right things at the right time. Well, how do you do that? So I break it down into five steps. They're very um, memorable. So I'm going to give a quick overview. Then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, which one. Yeah. Of them. But step one, decide what matters. And this is all through the lens of the season you're in. So in this season, what matters to you? If you're going to do the right things at the right time, you need to know what the right things are. So step one, decide what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. <laughs> we would free up a lot of time for things that do matter if we'd stop doing what doesn't. There's a mm -hmm. lot of crap we let in our calendars and you're not yes. a victim to your schedule. Anything there is something you put there or you allowed yes. to be there. So stop doing what doesn't matter. Step three, create a calendar that reflects what matters. This is very tactical, but the reality is our calendar is full of dentist appointments, meetings, <laughs> and soccer practices, and it does not have those things that matter most. Yes. If you want them to happen, you need to put them on the system you've chosen to live your life by, which is called your calendar. So create a calendar that reflects what matters. Step four, protect what matters. That's all about setting boundaries, saying no. Even if you create a great schedule, you got to protect it. And yes. so then step five might be my favorite. Be present for what matters. Because again, mm. even if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, if you're not present for it, you miss it. And yes. we do not realize how much we're sleepwalking through life. We're scrolling our phones and letting our minds wander to what is about to happen or what just happened. And we're missing the very moment we're in. So yes. part of feeling balanced and research from Harvard shows this, Blake. It's fascinating research from Harvard. Yeah. That when your mind wanders from your body, you not only feel less balanced, you feel less happy overall. So I want to help us bring our minds back to our bodies so that we can be happier and more balanced. I love that. I'm all about like tactical, give me something I can hold on to and do. And I love like biblical guidance and that's all important, but also like, can I have some bullet points? Like some bullet yeah. points would be so great. <laughs> can I have some because action steps? <laughs> exactly. I sometimes I'm embarrassed of what my calendar looks like, but you're making me feel way better about it. Cause I've accidentally implemented a lot of <laughs> what you're talking about. My calendar, like my Google calendar is like, da, 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 da. but it's not like, it's like, I put my workouts on my calendar yes. because I want to go work out. And even they won't if happen if you don't exactly like the, the gym that I go to doesn't have childcare. So sometimes my husband takes the kids to soccer practice. If I have a full day of interviews, I'm gonna go work out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, and I even have things like journal, like I have that right. on my calendar. So like good. you said, it's not gonna, happen. most people don't do that. And research shows that you're 50% more likely to do something if you simply write it down. And so just but like, I've started setting a bedtime yes. on my phone and because then it makes me stop scrolling Instagram or watching yes. Ted Lasso and move myself <laughs> upstairs to take my contacts out and start to go to bed so that I get more sleep so that I'm less grumpy and I'm a happier person the next day. Like person. these are things we can control. <laughs> yes. Well, and even things like, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much of your, your social media, like for me, I have like answer DMS in my work day because otherwise I'm going to sprinkle answering DMS throughout mm. my whole day. Mm. And then, then like, I'm like, did I, is all I did today answer DMS? Like yeah. that yeah. feels like a total yeah. waste or yeah. I can block out. 30 minutes and answer a couple hundred DMs and still stay connected to the people who are following me and answering questions, but not, you know, have spent my whole day doing that. And so I love that. And it also, for me, having an assistant and she knows where I am is very helpful because if something comes up and I'm, I have answered DMs on my calendar, she can be like, Hey, I need you to do something else. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just helpful right. for everybody. My husband knows what's going on. I think people like you and I, and most people who are balancing and juggling 
a lot of things, like putting it on a calendar makes it feel important. Yeah. Like yeah. it makes it feel real. Also helps me remember, like, I'm not going to remember to journal if it's not in my calendar. No. And then we always say, well, I'm going to do that. Fill in the blank with whatever that is. When there's time left over and there's never time left. What over. Time we know left this. Over. We've done this for decades. Like we cannot possibly act surprised if there's never time left over. So just no. put it on your calendar. I tell people all the time, if you don't find time, you make time. If it's yes. important to you, you'll make the time, which means putting it on the calendar. Yes. So of those five, where would you tell people to start? Well, step one, for sure, decide what matters. Because yeah. you can't achieve something you never define. So yeah. we don't define success, so we never achieve it. We don't define ba balance, so we never feel it. We don't define what matters, so we never know if we're doing it. Yeah. So as simple as that is, decide what matters. So let's use some... Um, some examples, because I love this for teaching. So like we use yeah. the example of the fixed priorities, God, family, work. Those are general. Right. When we're talking about prioritizing, when we're talking about what matters, it's very specific. So in the season, uh, I mean, sorry, in the spring season, as an example, I sat down, my life kind of falls on three seasons, spring, summer, and fall. Falls mm -hmm. with my kid's calendar with school and my work calendar being busy in the spring and fall and easy in the summer. So I sit down truly at the beginning of a season and I say, what do I want this next season to look like? Mm -hmm. And then I begin to think of what matters in this season. Now, in my life and in most people's lives, you probably have, I'm guessing, seven to 10 things that matter to you. Anything yeah. from fitness, quiet time with God, uh, house projects, travel, around seven to 10, most people. Right. You can only focus on three to five at a time in a season or in a, in a week, you can't do all 10 all the time, which is where we feel that pressure from. So I'll say, okay, what do I want this season to look like? Mm. Well, one of the things I determined in the spring that I wanted to spend time on, this was a priority. I wanted to get my kids to swim. They were four and six. Summer was coming up. So it was age appropriate, developmentally appropriate. We're around water all the time. This was a value. So it was very, re again, reflective of my season, season of the year with summer coming up and season of my kid's life with their age. Yes. That then determined what I put on the calendar because Friday afternoons, I would take them to the widest swim in the summer. I put them in swim lessons and now my kids are jumping off the high dive and swimming across the pool by themselves. It didn't happen by accident. Exactly. It happened because I decided that that was a priority. And then that informed my calendar. And then I feel like this huge success in my life because I did what mattered to me. And right. that's what's so huge. I just want to help people decide. It could be whatever for you. Right. Well, and then you prioritizing. Right. You prioritizing that then informed the next season because your kids can swim and it's so much easier when your kids can swim. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? So like, yes, there's like isolating the season, but then also recognizing that they inform and like impact one another as well. Like you've just done a ton of really hard work for this book and now you're getting to enjoy the season of it being out. Yes, exactly. You know what I, I mean? Think, like, yes. And I think it's like trade-off. The, the important piece of this too, and this just came to mind, so I'll share it. At the end of each chapter in the book, I have journal questions for reflection and a challenge. And the challenge correlates to this free workbook that you get is like has templates. But, but where I'm going with this is part of the challenge in almost every chapter is to talk to your family. Mm -hmm. This is not something you do in a vacuum. Yes. If you are married, then when you walked in the aisle, you decided to share your life, translation time, with another mm -hmm. person. And so this can be a great jumping off point where Matt and I sit down and I go, hey, this is what I want this season to look like. What do you want it to look like? This is what's important to me. What's important to you. And you come together on your goals and priorities and dreams. And then 
you guys can support each other and each person feels seen and heard in that season. And so it's not about looking to the right or left or going, oh, well, this is what's right for them or this is what's right for them. You get to, with your family, say, hey, what's right for us? Mm -hmm. What is right right now in our family, in our season with our kids? You know, maybe I wonder how many families, this is an example. I wonder how many families in the summer sign up for fall, uh, summer travel ball, for example, travel Mm -hmm. baseball. And the kids don't want to do it. They're just doing it because they think the parents want to do it. The parents don't want to do it. They just think the kid wants to do it. And so everybody's still doing what they've done for the past five years, but no one actually wants to do it. I want to go, hey, talking about it. Question this. Go, do you want to play summer travel ball? Or do you want to go to the pool every day? Or do you want to go to the beach? Or do you want to go to summer camp? Or do you want to do nothing? Have a conversation with the people you share your life with and say, what do we want this season to look like? And then it's amazing how freeing and empowering that is when you realize I get to decide what I spend my time on. I'm not a victim to my schedule. I don't have to run this rat race that everyone else is doing. I can actually do what's right for me. And that can be, um, that can not only be freeing, it's a very powerful implication of how you experience and enjoy. Very empowering. And I love that kind of one of the themes that's been sprinkled throughout the entire conversation is like, what's right for them isn't going to be right for you. Right. Like we have friends who, like you were saying, have kids in travel ball and competitive dance all year long. And they like, they actually love it. They love it. That's just not my husband and I's jam. Granted, our kids are only four and six and who knows like what the next seasons will hold. But like our kids like have soccer practice once a week and gymnastics once a week. And like, that's our max capacity. You know what I mean? So like, I could look at friends that have kids a similar age and be like, I need to have my kids. If they're going to be Olympians, they need to be in every single day. Yeah. That's, that's not what's right for us. And that's, that's totally fine. Same thing with like business, like exactly looking at someone else's business and thinking they need, you need to work the same. Yes. Okay. So let's use an example. You just brought this up. So I think it's good for us to model this for people. You just use the example of you block time on your calendar to answer DMs. Right. I don't answer DMs ever. Yeah. Ever. It's just a decision. And so again, you decide in your business, you decide in your calendar, like if this is part of your heart and your value, do it. If it's not, don't, and you don't have to feel this pressure. So, so often I'll get business questions. It's like, well, like, let me use an example of a coffee shop. This one was like, I have a coffee shop. Should I accept tips? I was like, do you want to? <laughs> so many things in business and life are a personal choice, right? You get to decide what's right for you, what, what's right for you in your business. Yes, there are best practices, but when you look at it, you, because your time is finite, you're mm-hmm. always going to have to make choices. You decide what those choices are. And I think that, that one of the threads I pull through this book again and again, I say it in every chapter is this is your life. Yes. No one gets to tell you what should be important to you. What matters is that you spend your time on what matters to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just reminding people that they have the opportunity and the responsibility to do what's right for them. They don't have to look to the right or left or compare themselves exactly. to family or friends. They need to do what's right for them. Talk about freedom. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a huge, like when you can kind of shirk that off and like you don't want to put blinders on like blinders, blinders, but when you stop worrying, I, and this is like not to go on a whole nother tangent, but when I kind of entered this whole like Christian online world, I thought I had to look like X, Y, and Z. I thought I had to write books like them and speak at events like them and talk like them. And it wasn't until I kind of like broke that mold and decided I almost didn't want to look like that, yes. that things yes. blew up. Yeah. Okay. Can when I give you an stopped. example of this? Yeah. So I love that you said this. So I heard an interview, this is like maybe a year or two ago, and it was John Rich 
and he was talking about Gretchen Wilson. Okay. So they're sitting there and they're oh talking about gosh. the early days of Gretchen Wilson. Okay. No, no, no. Listen, this is so good. So they're sitting, he, he tells the story of how he's sitting on the couch with Gretchen Wilson. This is before she had made any type of fame and yeah. they're sitting on the couch and a Shania Twain music video came on back in the day when we had music videos on right. CMT and that type of thing. And Gretchen Wilson said, I'm not going to make it. And he mm. said, what do you mean? She said, I'm not going to make it in country music. If you have to look like that, I'm not that. She's beautiful. She's perfect. She's flawless. That's not me. I'm just a redneck woman. And he said, don't hide that. You put a magnifying glass on that because you yes. represent a whole market of women that are not being represented. And I've got Amen. chills even as I tell that story. And they sat down and they wrote redneck woman. Oh my God. Her up into faith. Yes. Your point is exactly right. You don't need to look like anyone else. You need to be you. And you're going to represent and connect with a whole group of people that are like you that feel exactly. underrepresented. And so there's such a business principle, even that of going, you're not for everyone. And that's a good thing. So Amen. go be who you are for yes. and fight for the people that you are for. And don't let it distract you of someone looking different or being different. But I love that example because he said, don't hide it, put no. a magnifying glass on it. I was like, I love that. Yes. I actually had like the, do you know who Jennifer Allwood is? She's like oh another my gosh. <laughs> We're like this. Yes. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, we, my gosh, yeah. Wait, we just spoke at the same conference. Sure did. Sure did. Totally we forgot about that. Virtual, but our videos went into the same universe. Into the same universe. <laughs> so she's like my like real life mentor. And we had almost like the same exact John Rich and Gretchen Wilson conversation where I was like, and these are the words I literally, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly. I literally said the words, I think I'm going to take it down a notch. Like, I think I'm going to water it down a little bit and make myself that is a little hilarious. bit more seeing your latest activity on Instagram. 100%. I was like, I'm just going to make my, this was like a year ago. I'm going to make myself more palatable. And she was like, no, I no. think you need to double down. I think you That's need right. to like say the things that nobody else is saying. That's right. And da, 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 da. And I was, and I mean, kind of same thing, like goosebumps and was like, oh, she's right. She's uh -huh. definitely right. And I mean, that day started like, all right, you want to go? Like, let's talk about the things that nobody's talking about. And people flock to that. That's Partially, right. I would bet I would bet because it's authentic. I'm not trying to yes. be something that I'm not. And people can see that a mile away. That's exactly right. And I think when we have something in us, whether it's a passion, it's a trait, it's a strength, and we try to water it down in order to be more vanilla to appeal mm -hmm. to most people, we actually appeal to no one. Exactly. And then we are diminishing the unique qualities we have that we bring to the world. And I think that that is so, so, so important that you do that. I, I, in, uh, maybe like a year ago, two years ago, when we were doing strategic planning about me shifting from business boutique to being more personal development and faith in addition mm -hmm. to business. And one of the senior leaders here, a man here, who's known me for a long time, he said, one of the distinct things about you is how intense you are. And he mm -hmm. said, I think that we have been downplaying that. I don't want to downplay it. I think that's one of the things that makes you unique. That makes people drawn to you is your intensity. And some people say aggressive. I'm like, ah, passionate. Let's, let's use a more positive word. Shall we? Yeah. But like that intensity yes. to not diminish it because it's actually, that's the thing that is so unique to your wiring that people connect with the most. And so I love that reminder. I love that. And I know Jennifer, so I know she, I could just see her giving uh -huh. you this advice. hundred percent. Just being like, uh-uh, no, yes. absolutely not. Well, yeah. uh, just what you said about being like aggressive. I'm always like, am I intimidating or are you intimidated? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> well, my whole life, I was told that like growing up yeah. by guys, oh, yeah. I was always told you're so intimidating. And I just remember thinking that feels like your problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. 
like 100% exactly <laughs> one of the oh, things Chrissy. one of the things that's fascinating about eights we were talking about this enneagram eights is eights have a very it's like a strong-willed child in adult form it's like yes. we have a very strong sense of a right to ourselves and regardless of your enneagram number regardless of your personality i i believe in that as a value i think everyone mm-hmm. i think enneagram yes. twos enneagram fours you have a right to yourself you have a right to your personality. You have a right to your gifts. You have a right to your time. I just want to remind you of that and show you how you can take hold of that. It's not an Enneagram 8 thing. It's actually an no. everybody thing. As being Amen. a human, this is your life. Sometimes I think Enneagrams eight, Enneagram 8s are just the ones that are trying to tell everybody that. Yeah, because yeah. we're so secure in it. We're like, come on. Like, I see this in you. Let's go. Like, let's yeah. pull it out. Let's do it. Ian Morgan Crone talked about that. Like, 8s put people on their backs and like run them through every hurdle. That yeah. they need to to get them where they're trying to go. Like I think we just see that in people and, and believe. And maybe in it. make you cry. I don't know. Maybe we could work on that. But sure. That's, but we do bring out the best. <laughs> yes, we're we're just talking about the positive qualities. I literally posted in my stories last night. It's like old reliable Enneagram eights, and you open the box, and it's like jokes at inappropriate times. That's like, right. That's story right. of my life. But this was. I mean, I could talk to you for another hour and a half. This is so much fun. But I know we both have other interviews and stuff to get to. I'm guessing is the book out? The book is out. Yes, it launched so, a week ago. Yes, so people can get the book wherever you get books. Um, and where can people like find and connect with you online? Yes, so christywright.com and then um, Instagram's where I hang out the most at Christy P. Wright. Perfect. Christy, thank you so much. Oh, this was so fun. I just so I fun. love talking to you. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.